0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Sit and listen to her play all afternoon. We welcome Miss Charlotte Kennedy back to Rocky Valley tonight. Mama's out uh, gallivanting around Nashville, so y'all give her a hard time the next time you see her. Uh, she had previous engagement at T-Pac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Charlotte, thank you for coming and playing. Um, Charlotte is a blessing to her home church at First Baptist Lebanon, where she has been, I believe, She's been the instrumentalist there for 25 years, close to. Okay, all right. Don't want to show her age. She doesn't show her age, but she does a fabulous job. I'm going to hush. We're going to sing.
1: Will you stand, choir, as we sing? Mighty to sing.
0: That particular um, song, Mighty to Save, not that you all really care to hear it, but I'm going to tell it anyway, will always be a special song to me, because when my oldest son was about three years old or so, I had been playing music at Southside Baptist Church and I was carrying him to the babysitters one morning, early in the morning. And you know how the radio is is on, but it's not really in your mind. And it's kind of turned down. And uh, that song was on the radio, and I wasn't paying attention to it. And he was in the back seat. And suddenly it got to the chorus, and to the top of his lungs he shouted, Savior, it can move the mountains. And I turned around and I said, where would you hear that? He said, Dad, you play it at church. And so that song will forever be etched in my memory. So thank you for that tonight. Uh, You guys don't sing it as well as he does, but you did a great great attempt at it. The Gospel of Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34 this evening. The healer is in. The healer... Is in, and I have actually I, I've preached through this particular text before. Uh, it's been a few years. Matter of fact, according to um, according to my my uh, computer, it was back in 2015. So most of you probably don't remember, but uh, we were in a different season. We preached it from a different place, uh, but in light of some of the sickness. Uh, that we are seeing in our church family. In light of some of the, uh, the testing and the results that are awaiting and, and, the, and the battles with illnesses that we're seeing uh, in our church family, I really felt compelled uh, this evening to change directions from where I had originally planned and, and come back into this text in the Gospel of Mark. And, and I want to ask you uh, this question uh, to kind of set the tone For the evening, do you believe that there is still healing that needs to be done? And do you believe that we still have a healer who is available for that healing? And that is going to be the tone and the tenor for this message tonight. An even more important question might be this. Do you believe we serve a risen and almighty Savior who is still in the business of doing these things day in and day out the same way that He did uh, in the stories that we read in the Bible. John 9, 39 and 41 says that those who who, who who needed to be made blind, He's talking to the Pharisees and He says, if you would only let yourself be blind and let yourself recognize that you needed healing, let yourself realize that you needed to see then then, then the, the scales would be removed. You'd be able to see. But he was talking to a hard-hearted bunch. And their pride, they, they didn't believe that they needed the Savior. In Mark 2 and 17, it says that he spoke to them when they asked him why he was seen with sinners. And he says, because I came to heal the ones that know they need a Savior. I didn't come to heal y'all because y'all think you're already right. You think you've already got it figured out. And so he's coming to say... Essentially, I, I come with the ability, I come with, with all of the power, I come with all of, of everything needed to heal in this world. The problem is that the world seems to reject the healer that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about physical healing. Jesus is talking about a spiritual healing that is available, but he goes along healing physical ailments as he goes around. And so that there, there, there are two types of people. At the end of the day, there are only two types of people in this world. Those who are healed by Jesus and those who never realize they need healing. That's essentially the choice you make. is You say, I don't, I don't need Jesus. I'm going to go on my own and figure this out. Or you say, I need Jesus, and you come to his throne of mercy and receive his healing. So setting the stage for where we're at, at this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has already been across the sea. He's been in a place called the Gadarenes. It's where he's healed a man that had been possessed by an entire legion of demons. He cast them into the swine. Remember this? He cast the demons into the swine. The swine, the swine, the swine, maybe the swine, I don't know. The swine took off running and he drowned them with the demons inside of him. And the man. Uh, after being healed by Jesus, after having the demons cast out, the man said, Jesus, I want to go with you. Let me go with you, Jesus. And, and Jesus said to this man, he said, no, no, no. I need you to stay here, and I need you to tell everybody here about what's just happened. You are going to be my minister in this area. I need somebody to be here, and you're going to be it. And, and so the man wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus said, no. No, you stay here and do this ministry. And that's another sermon for another day about staying where Jesus has called you. But I wanted to set the tone. That's what Jesus has just done. He's just been across the sea, casting demons into the swine. And then that brings us to where we're at here in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the holy words of our holy God. Beginning in verse 21, it says, Now. And when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well." And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her... Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we pray if there be anything in this house this morning or this evening that, that, would, that would cloud our worship, that would hinder our focus, God, would you please remove it? From our minds and our souls right now. That we would focus on you. That we would worship you. And that we would give you the glory for everything you are, God. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in your sweet name we pray. As all of God's children said, amen. You may be seated. And so as we look at our healer, we look at our great physician this morning. We're going to notice our first point, And that is that Jesus is, he's available for healing. He's available for healing, If you look at this story, you don't see that Jesus comes back across and then he gets back over in Capernaum, that he finds himself and, and holds himself up in a tower somewhere. It doesn't say that he gets back across and he's exhausted from everything that he's been through. So, so he goes and hides himself away. He, he, here he is arriving, and as soon as he arrives in Capernaum, there's an entire throng of people looking for healing that comes in. And so Jairus... Being an an important man, hears that Jesus is coming back, sees Jesus arrive, and he kind of makes his way through the crowd and he worships at the feet of Jesus for his daughter's health. And we see Jesus' accessibility painted right here in this picture. There was not a required appointment time that had to be set to come to the feet of Jesus to worship him. Uh, You didn't have to clear it with the disciples to to set through the time for the purpose. Uh, And really, if you think about it, I mean, just just think about the logistics of all this. It it would have been perfectly justified. We wouldn't have thought uh, anything crazy about Jesus as the great healer with 12 disciples at his disposal if he would have said, okay, here's... Here's the deal. It's too hard for me to figure out what everybody needs when you all just throng around me in this way. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to need you to, to talk to Peter. He's going to tell James, and then you've got to book it through John to get the time in which you're going to come. But the good news is, when we go through this new booking system for time with the healer, when John brings you in, I'm going to be able to focus on you and you alone for that time. I need you to book This time with me, so that when Jairus came walking up, Peter said, Wait a minute, I need to check your insurance card before you go in to see the healer and book this time out. But we don't see that that's what's going on. We just see that Jesus is readily accessible and readily available as Jairus comes to worship at his feet. Now, I want you to imagine with me, I want you to imagine with me a uh, a great celebrity. Somebody give me a great celebrity. Oh, surely. I know you're thinking me right now, but I mean, somebody besides me. Who's that? Elvis. Y'all had to pull two dead ones out, didn't you? We'll go with Elvis. Elvis, we'll imagine the crowd. Elvis come to Lebanon, all right? prior to his death. We'll we'll go that way. Y'all are bad at this game, by the way. <laughs> Elvis come to Lebanon. And he's coming through town and you've heard him singing in Memphis. You've heard about his singing down in Arkansas. You've heard what he did. In Florida, you heard what he did on his way back up through Gulf Shores. And then when he turned, he went through Georgia singing them songs. He stopped in Atlanta. He had a sellout concert. He stopped in Chattanooga, and the whole world rocked. And suddenly, he's coming to Lebanon. He's going to sing at the old National Guard Armory. I don't know why, but that's where he's going to be. So he gets off the interstate, and he's walking. Don't know why there either. Imagine the, the people that would surround Elvis. To be entertained. This is just an entertainer, right? You're going to see this man shake his hips and play his guitar and sing his song. And it's going to do nothing more for you than entertain you. So now I want you to use those same... You're not good with this imagination thing. But I want you to try to use your same imagination and imagine the days of Capernaum. You've got people who are sick who have leprosy, who who cannot be healed. They have all of these diseases that that are raging and ramping up. And suddenly there's one who has been going around not entertaining them, not shaking his hips and playing his harp. He's been going around making people that were broken whole. He's been putting lives back together. He made dead men walk. He made blind men see. Imagine if people would gather around Elvis Presley by the hundreds of thousands to watch him sing a song. How many people would gather around for a chance to see if they were blind? For a chance to walk if they were crippled? For a chance to to hear if they were deaf? For a chance to move their hands if their hands were immobile? Imagine this crowd that is there. There would be tickets that were sold and handlers in the way, but Jesus did not operate this way. And here, coming through the crowd, we have Jairus. Now, Jairus is an important ruler. It's important that we understand who all these characters are. Jairus is an important ruler in the synagogue. Now, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a scribe, and he wasn't a Pharisee, or he would have been described in such a way. But Jairus... More as someone who would have gained respect and maturity and and would have grown through in the synagogue and would have been an important man. He was kind of uh, in charge of the function of the synagogue. He was the chief operating officer of the synagogue in town. And here the chief operating officer who makes his way through the crowd finds himself bowing at the feet of Jesus. He didn't have a cross to remember yet. He didn't have a resurrection to claim yet. Jairus' faith was merely in the belief that this Jesus could make his daughter better. That's where it was at. His entire precedence for bowing at the feet of this Jesus was a faith that Jesus could make his daughter better. And I want to tell you something else. For this man who was so respected and so looked up to in that community to bow down at the feet of this Savior, I don't think he just had a faith that Jesus could make his daughter well. I believe he had a faith that Jesus was the only way his daughter was going to be well. Because I believe if there was another way for J. Iris, he would have went about it. Don't you think? And this is a proud man. He wasn't going to just go to this Savior and bow at his feet if he thought there was another way. And Jesus is available for Jairus in all of this crowd. He takes notice of this man bowing at his feet. Now I want to ask you a question, church. Do you think we do a very good job of pointing out to the world that this is the kind of healing that is available through Jesus? I mean, I asked earlier if you still believe people needed healing. And I don't think there was anybody that said, no, thank goodness. It would have completely messed the whole trajectory of the message up. And so we see here in Scripture that Jesus is available. We said that we believe that he does and that he can and that he will. And yet we don't do a very good job of pointing people to this healer that is in town. I mean, imagine this. If there was a doctor's office that was going in the the abandoned Ryan's building, if I told you that in that old building there was going to be a doctor's office coming to town, and inside of that there was going to be a, a doctor, and this man's specialty was taking terminal diagnoses from other doctors and breathing life into the people that had been given death sentences. If I told you that that's what went on inside that building, would you keep that quiet? Or would you not tell everybody that you ran into in the, in the oncology ward, would you not tell them all, hey, you need to go down to the doctor in the old Ryan Steakhouse building because that's, that's where healing happens. That's where people get, would you not tell everybody who was struggling with an addiction, you need to go down to the Ryan's building. That guy fixes cancer, he, he cures heart attacks, he stops strokes, he makes blood pressure go down, cholesterol equalize out, triglycerides disappear, and addictions fall away. He's good at it. Well, of course we would tell everybody. If you wouldn't tell them, you would be something wrong with you. But guess what? We've got a Savior that does all that. Yeah. But you know what else he does? He goes one step further than doing all of those things. He takes a sinner bound for the gates of hell and he says, nope, that one's mine. Not only does he, does he have a physical healing, but more importantly, he offers a spiritual healing. That is an eternal satisfaction and an eternal glory. That, that a dirty old soul can be made white as snow. And what are we scared of, really? Are, are we scared that Jesus can't heal anymore? Are we afraid that if we bring it up and tell somebody that Jesus is available and, and they don't accept that, they don't believe what we have to say, that somehow we have failed, my friends? Scripture tells us we're just to sow seeds. We're just farmers casting seeds of the gospel everywhere we go. And the harvest is not ours anyway. If we could reap the harvest, I promise you we would do one thing. We would mess it up. But praise God, all he told me to do was just spread the gospel. You go out and sow the seeds, brother. I will reap the harvest. So what are we afraid of? Jesus is available for healing. Why why would we not let people know? That's, that's our calling, is to let people know. Let's move on. Though. Our second thing we're going to look at is not only is he available, but he's capable of healing. See, Jesus wouldn't be a very good physician if he said, I'm here, but when you got there, he didn't do anything. would he? Wouldn't be much of a, a physician if he did that. But we're going to see here in these verses that, that not only is he willing, but he's very, very much able so as we go through this, we, we've introduced Jairus, we've obviously met Jesus, we knew who we were talking about there, now all of a sudden, we've got this new character being introduced. It says, a certain woman with a flow of blood for 12 years. So here on the scene, I want you to just think about this kind of um, a tale of two miracles almost going on. You, you've got Jairus, who has a daughter who is 12 years old, and you have a woman who as long as Iris's daughter has been alive, she's had a condition of the flow of blood. So you got got Iris's daughter and J. Iris. you got the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. She's been excommunicated. I want to make sure we understand. When it says she's had a flow of blood, there are attachments that go along with that. She's been basically pushed aside. She's been excommunicated. She's not been allowed to function within the community as a normal person. And here, at the same time, they arrive on the scene with Jesus. Jairus, well-connected, wealthy, publicly acclaimed and publicly recognized, and a woman who, according to verse 26, suffered many things from many physicians and spent all that she had. So you have the wealthy ruler, the COO of the synagogue, and you got this woman who is flat, broke, and busted. And they're both seeking treatment at the same time. She was out of options. But when it came to to Jesus, isn't it something that they were both put on the level playing field? They both arrived at the same time. Jesus didn't quantify who got the first dibs. He didn't quantify who was worthy. He didn't quantify any of that by how they arrived or what they had done before they got there. Look at verse 29 with me, what happens though. She said in 28, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be well. But in verse 29, what happens? Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. I want you to think about that just for a minute with me. Verse 28, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. That that phrase in verse 28, when it says, if I may only touch his clothes, that that word there used for clothes refers to to the outer garment and even beyond that, to the tassels on the bottom of the outer garment. That's where uh, there, there's, a, there's an old song, Last Thread of Hope, if you can touch the hem of his garment. That's, that's what that literally refers to. Is The woman said, if on his way by I can stick my arm out and grab hold of the tassels on the bottom of that robe, I believe he can heal me. I'm flat, broken, busted. Remember J. Iris said he's the only one that can heal my daughter. That's why he was there. This woman said, I've tried everything else. I believe he's the only one that can heal me. And I just need to to grab the hem of his garment. And immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried. Now tell me that that's not a capable healer. That the touch of the hem of his garment could stop a 12-year affliction immediately. It doesn't say... Jesus turned around and prescribed to her an ointment and told her to dip in the Jordan River or walk to the Dead Sea. It said all she did was touch the hem of his garment and Jesus without ever even looking at her. Immediately, her affliction was healed. But Jesus, he don't stop there, does he? Because in verse 30 it says, your sneak attack didn't work, young lady. She said, I'm going to slide in here. I'm going to sneak under somebody's legs. I'm going to touch his garment. Ain't nobody going to know what happened. I'm going to be better, and we'll all be good. And Jesus said, whoa, Nellie. My power, I felt something. My, My countenance changed a little bit. Some of my virtue flowed out. There was one of my children, one of my babies, touched my garment. And something happens. So Jesus says, wait a minute. Who did that? Who, who touched my clothes? Now think about these disciples. Remember, there's a throng of people. These 12 disciples were probably trying their best to crowd around this Jesus whom they were following around. They're trying to protect him. Imagine Elvis's mod squad, right? They're probably all around him trying to take care of him. And so here they go, and Jesus, who's pushing through the crowd, and I, I can always imagine Peter, because I see myself a lot in Peter, and I believe he was in the front, cloaked down, just pushing through the crowd, right? And Jesus is following behind him. And, and suddenly, Jesus, in the middle of all this pushing, everybody's pushing and an in on each other, and Jesus says, "Well, boys, somebody touched me. And the disciples, who are probably a little frustrated... Said, ah, no kidding, Jesus. There's people everywhere. I'd be shocked if somebody didn't touch you. Why are you stopping because somebody touched you? We're trying to just get through this crowd, and here you are stopping to proclaim the obvious that somebody has touched you. Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about, boys. I'm not talking about somebody bumped into me or somebody knocked something over into me. Somebody who had faith in me reached out to me and the power flowed out of me and into them and they've been made whole, but I need to talk to them for a minute. Who touched me? And I believe Jesus was quite authoritative when he spoke that see, the disciples find themselves kind of like us. We don't always do a very good job of sharing that healing is available. And sometimes we get so insensitive to those around us who are trying to get a touch at Jesus. We do everything we can to keep them from him. We do everything we can to, to hide this Savior under a bushel. But Jesus still notices them just like he did this woman. Let's look at the rest of the text this evening. Because Jesus is not only available and he's not only capable, but Jesus is complete in his healing. He said, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. A woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him, and she confessed everything. It doesn't say, what, what she came and fell before him and said, Jesus, thank you for making my blood flow. No, she came and told him the whole truth. Now, I taught you guys a Greek word this morning. I'm going to teach you another one this evening. That Greek word for the whole truth, you know what that means? All of it. She confessed is what that means. She came before the Savior. And I don't believe she said, Jesus, You fixed my blood flow, thank you. I don't believe she said, Jesus, I used to have a blood problem. I believe she stood before Jesus, and she started at the beginning and said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And she confessed the whole truth to him. And look what he says to her. Daughter? Isn't that a cool word? Daughter? Think about that. This woman had been excommunicated. She'd been cast aside. She'd been looked down upon. She'd been sick for 12 years. She'd been shunned. And what's Jesus say to her? Daughter. Think about the power in that statement alone for someone who had been struggling for so long to find their place that he would reach down and say, you're my daughter. But it gets even better. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. You say, ah, oh, no kidding, Jason. You just said that her blood flow stopped. No, 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 no. that's not what he just said. He said, your faith has made you well. He just said, you just got, you got saved. I'm calling you my daughter because you're, you're mine for eternity. No matter what happens. Do you, you realize if she'd gotten up from there and still been bleeding, she'd still been well? Because at this point, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. You say, well, how do you know he's not talking about her physical ailment? Because what's he going to say here in just a second? He says, now you go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Two, Two total different healings are going on there. He heals her spiritually. He says, you're made well spiritually, and that's what really matters, young lady. But now I want you to get up and go in peace. Because your affliction, it's, it's fixed too. See, Jesus is complete in his healing. He's not a partial healer. You know, really, it would have been good for her uh, from a temporal standpoint on this earth if he had just healed her affliction. But eternally speaking, it would have been useless. She'd have gained nothing but a slightly easier life, perhaps. What did Jesus say? No, 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 I'm going to heal you, spiritually speak. I'm going to make you right before your creator. And then he said, go in peace. Your affliction has been healed. And so I ask you, church, do you still believe that Jesus is in the healing business? Do you still believe that Jesus is able to free us from the burdens of sin? Do you still believe that Jesus has not only power over the physical, but the spiritual in all of our lives? So why, why do we carry these burdens on our own? Why do we battle these battles by ourselves when we have a Savior who is capable, available, and complete in his healing. And so how do we respond to this tonight? Well, I said earlier I felt compelled to come this direction because of all of the, the physical ailments that, that we we battled as a, as a church family. And so this altar is open. If you're battling something yourself, if you want to pray Uh, For someone who's battling something, you want to come and lay that burden here? I want you to come and do that tonight. I believe in the power of prayer. I'm just crazy enough to believe it when Scripture tells me that the fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. So come and lay those burdens here at the feet of Jesus tonight. Pray for those physical ailments. But you know what? I believe firmly that every one of us have somebody in our lives that we know that doesn't need a physical touch, but needs a spiritual touch from Jesus. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you to take it a step further, not just pray for the physical ailments of those in our churches or in our families, but I want you to pray for the spiritual warfare going on in somebody's life right now, that, that they would hear a word from God, that He would convict their soul, and that they would turn to Him and be made well. So that's how we're going to close this. I'm going to ask you to just, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And when we do, it's going to be open. You come and pray for those uh, who you feel need healing, spiritual or physical healing. And you can do that right where you sit. I believe firmly. You can do that right where you sit. But There's something special about coming to the altar of the Lord and saying, this is where I leave it. So let's pray. Father God. God, I thank you that you are a healing Savior. I thank you that you're the same Savior who healed the flow of blood from that lady, that certain specific lady, with the touch of the hem of a garment, God. And God, I believe if you were capable of that, you're capable of overcoming any affliction that we endure as a church family, Lord. Any physical ailment, any surgery, Lord God, any testing, any procedures that we have going on in our lives, God, I believe that you are available and capable of completely healing those ailments, God. God, I believe that you are capable, available, and and completely able to heal our broken relationships, God. God, I believe firmly that you are completely and totally capable and available to save souls still, God. So God, burden our hearts to prayer at this time. God, we will give you the glory and the honor. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen.